live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon, and wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us here today, this Thursday, April 14th, the year 2022, as Easter looms in the horizon. Hope everybody's having a great, great day. Last day of school for many. Some of you have already been out during the week, uh, but uh, people are getting ready to head out of town, but we thank you for joining us. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we're also simulcast on Stadium 32. Point three and 133 on LUS Fiber. I mean, can you find a prettier day than today? It is an absolute, that's right, Chamber of Commerce Day. Bottle it up and let's save it and use it again. Um, Boy, last night, if anybody ever doubted that New Orleans could be a basketball town, well, forget about it. Forget about it, because it was electric in the Smoothie King Center, a packed house. And um, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, C.J. McCullum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, and all the other Pelicans made it a night that the sellout crowd wouldn't soon forget. Most significant game in about four years for the franchise. And the Pels took the best of the San Antonio Spurs and beat them 113 to 103 to survive and advance to yet another opportunity, which will be Friday night against the LA Clippers in Los Angeles. That's an elimination play in game. Boy. That was some kind of fun. It's been 1,440 days since the Pelicans had won a home postseason game. The last one, a 119-110 win over the Golden State Warriors in game three of the second round of the 2018 playoffs. Um, Willie Green was an assistant with the Golden State Warriors at the time. And he remembered how the Smoothie King Center rocked as the way it did last night. Um, People were going crazy. The Pelicans faithful delivered, just like you would expect them to. And the team responded in kind. Oh, it was a great night. A great night. We'll recap it all and um, talk with Will Guillory, who covers the Pels for The Athletic, coming up in about uh, 25 minutes. LSU is on the road for a very pivotal Southeastern Conference baseball um, trifecta. 
as they are are in Arkansas in Fayetteville for three game series against the number five Razorbacks. LSU's ranked number twelve. Tonight's game gets underway at six thirty, and as you heard in the two minute drill, you can listen to it right here on one zero three seven. The game. Bill Frankes, the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field, also does the color on the LSU Sports Radio Network when the Tigers are on the road. He'll join us here in about oh a little less than 10 minutes. The Razorbacks are eight and four in the SEC. Uh, they've won three of their four conference series and are sitting atop the SEC West, but they're coming off a series loss at home to a Florida team that LSU defeated in two of three games last month. On the flip side, the Tigers are seven and five. They're coming off a three game sweep of Mississippi State. They're playing their best ball of the season and a chance now, if you win this series, to take and leapfrog Arkansas and gain the number one spot. It'll be Michaela Hill on the bump for the Tigers tonight. Meanwhile, um, LSU basketball, good news. Another Tiger has withdrawn his name from the transfer portal and will return to LSU. The program announced last night that guard Justice Williams will be back, making him the second Tiger from last year's roster to join new head coach Matt McMahon. This announcement comes on the heels of forward Mawani Wilkinson making the same decision just a couple of days earlier. Now, Williams from Philly, Uh, was supposed to be in high school this past season, but he was able to finish early, reclassified to the 2021 recruiting class and signed with LSU. He missed a lot of preseason due to an injury, but he did play in 20 games and he averaged 10 minutes per contest. So with the two W's back, with Williams and Wilkinson back on board, LSU's roster now has seven players, seven players, four guards, Williams, Murray State transfers Justice Hill and T. Hannibal and North Carolina State transfer Cam Hayes. They've got one forward in Wilkinson and they've got two centers. Northwestern State transfer Kendall Coleman. I think you're going to like him. And 2022 signee Cornelius Williams of Hickory, North Carolina, a three-star long but lean. Oh, he's in the 6'10", 6'11", range, but he's below the 200-pound Mendoza line, so he's frail, and we'll see exactly what he can do uh, when he steps on the court. Meanwhile, LSU football, defensive backs a priority for the 2023 recruiting class. LSU got a commitment from its first one yesterday, Michael Daugherty of Loganville, Georgia, committed to LSU. He can play anywhere in the secondary, according to those in the know, he's rated as the nation's ninth best safety per 247 sports. He's the third commitment now in the 2023 class for Brian Kelly, joining four-star tight end Mac Markway from St. Louis and four-star wide receiver Omarion Miller from Vivian, Louisiana. I got to be honest with you. I never heard of Vivian, Louisiana. I have no clue where that would be. Anyway, Omarion Miller's from there, and LSU got him. And the word is coming uh, louder and louder and louder that another commitment could be coming soon via the transfer portal for this upcoming season. Another defensive back, uh, Ohio State transfer, seven banks. That's seven, S-E-V-Y-N, seven banks. Um 
come from Ohio State. That means you're very highly recruited and whatever. Um, but that would that could be a significant asset for LSU if, in fact, he does come. So uh, LSU basketball, good news. LSU football, good news. LSU baseball hopes it's good news. Great news for uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, just great, great news on that front because um, San Antonio's had had the Saints number uh, that um, have had the Pelicans number for years and years and years, but um, got it done, got it done. So that's good. The um, power rankings are out in Major League Baseball. Curious to see the Los Angeles Dodgers are the ranked number one. According to this one source, and the Houston Astros are ranked number two. Um, yeah, Jeremy Pena has been terrific um, in the spotlight after taking over for Carlos Correa. Had a strong first week at the plate. He did commit his first big league error in the field, but um, overall, he has been really, really good. Toronto ranked number three, the Chicago White Sox number four, and I don't know where my St. Louis Cardinals are, but I keep scrolling down and scrolling down. They're not nine. They're not ten. Where are my Redbirds? Come on. Are they that bad? Thirteenth. Fourteenth. Heck, they're three and one. Come on. Give my, give my Redbirds some love. Some love. Anyway, we are Brought to you today by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Louisiana, right off of Ambassador Caffrey Parkway in Lafayette. They also have one off of Bluebonnet Boulevard in Baton Rouge. If you're feeling sluggish, not sleeping well, tired, your workouts aren't going well, you're yawning during the day, you could have um, an issue that can be very easily solved with hormone replacement therapy hrt you go into the aesthetic medicine and anti-aging clinic of louisiana you get a little blood work very simple dr todd howell his staff they analyze your blood work they find out where you are deficient and they come up with a game plan specifically set for you so that you wake up feeling younger with more energy more enthusiasm your sex drive increases all these things very simple, very easy. We only have one life to live. Don't we want to live it to our fullest? We've got to take it and invest in ourselves. Just like we're a business, we must invest in ourselves to reap the benefits down the road. HRT at the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, right there on Ambassador Caffrey Parkway in Acadiana. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. We will begin with a journey to Fayetteville, Arkansas. The Tigers and the Hogs, first place in the SEC West is on the line. If the Tigers can win the series, they'll leapfrog over the Arkansas Razorbacks, in theory. All right, we'll have that story and much, much more. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show. We're so glad you're with us. Very important day, a very special day, and we're on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip, and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. 
Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's a big day for Coach Jake Johnson's LSU Tigers. The 12th-ranked ball club set to begin a three-game series against the fifth-ranked Razorbacks from Arkansas in Fayetteville. The game gets underway at 6.30, and you can listen to it right here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And when you do, you will hear the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field, and the longtime Sports Information Director for Baseball, my good friend, Bill Frankes. Bill, uh, happy Easter early to you, my friend. How's life treating you? It's going well, Jordy. Thank you. Happy Easter to you all. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Fayetteville. You know, the weather was a concern uh, yesterday, uh, uh-huh. but fortunately, uh, we were able to, to leave Baton Rouge before the weather got bad there, and we arrived in Fayetteville after the weather had uh, passed through here. So, then, uh, so far, I've a very comfortable trip. The team was able to, to practice last night at the uh, Baumwalker Stadium and get prepared for the game. Uh, weather is uh, cool but clear. It's going to be kind of chilly tonight, but it uh, should be a, a, a you know a good atmosphere for baseball. Of course, uh, you know, Fayetteville naturally is a huge uh, Razorback baseball program supporter, so we're looking forward to a big crowd tonight and a lot of excitement. I would imagine after the week LSU had and sweeping Mississippi State on the road, do you notice a little uptick in attitude with this club? I think so. I, I, I think you see that, Jordy. They appear to carry a, a lot of confidence. I, and I think they're more comfortable now with uh, the, the roles that have been established on the team. I, I guess most notably you'd point to the bullpen and the way yeah. that Jay Johnson and Jason Kelly, our pitching coach, have uh, managed games with a variety of different relievers, and each of them understands what they need to do. And they, they seem to have very specific uh, responsibilities when they come into the game. And they, they were just uh, outstanding last week, uh, twice, uh, working out of some big jams. So Mississippi State, on two different occasions in two different games, had uh, runners at second and third and nobody out. And the mm-hmm. odds of not scoring in that situation are, are, are astronomical. But Mississippi State didn't score either time. Uh, because of great efforts by guys like Eric Razelman and Devin Fontenot. And then yeah. you know, later in the games, Paul Gervais, which just lights out. So, and I think also the emergence of Josh Pearson, a uh, freshman uh, outfielder, uh, he f- appears to have won a, a permanent starting job. You know, Coach Johnson has uh, talked about him all year, how he wanted to get him more playing time, but it was tough because LSU had so many returning players back. But uh, Josh is uh, firmly now, it appears, established wow. himself as an re- everyday player. And that's going to be huge, especially uh, with the injury to Gavin Dugas. Uh, Gavin, um, although the mm. prognosis is much better than we originally thought on the thumb uh, that Gavin injured, he's probably not going to play this weekend either. So uh, the, emer- the emergence of Josh Pearson is even more important now to, to boost that Tiger outfield. Bill Frank is in Fayetteville, Arkansas, for the start of the LSU three-game series. He'll be back in town to celebrate uh, Easter Sunday. Um what, what I, I know that Coach Johnson tinkered around with the lineup, moved the shortstop to second, second to short, um, found an outfielder. Um, is he still tinkering, or, or or is this it now? Have we got what you see is what you get? I think so, Jordy. I, I think the the open ended issue is a catcher again because of another injury. This one to Alex yeah. Malazzo. Alex, we thought maybe his knee would be well enough for him to play. Uh, beginning two weeks ago when LSU met Auburn in Baton Rouge, but he wasn't ready then. Uh, you know, it, it, he went on the road trip 
to Starkville, but just was not 100%, and he's still not 100% uh, this week. So I wouldn't. It looks like it may be a little while before he's ready to play again. So I think you'll still you'll still see that combination of uh, Hayden Travinsky and Tyler McManus playing catcher. Both of those guys are not as good defensively as as uh, Malazzo, but they do bring a lot of offensive potential to the plate. I mean, Travinsky has hit some mammoth home runs. Yeah. Uh, McManus had a huge day on Sunday in Starkville. He had a triple uh, and, and three hits and scored a couple of runs. So uh, those guys can, can can play adequate defense and continue to help LSU's bottom of the lineup with, the, with their bats, then I think uh, the Tigers can, can find success there. Other than catcher, though, I think it's pretty well established okay. uh, where LSU is. He's gone permanently now to Jordan Thompson at shortstop, K. Doty at second base. That's not going to change again. He feels okay. like he has said on many occasions, if LSU is going to be a great team, then those guys have to play at those positions. Jordan Thompson is LSU's best shortstop. K. Doty is LSU's best second baseman, and it's going to stay that way. Jacob okay. Berry, I think, has found a home at third base. He played some early in the outfield. Uh, didn't have a lot of success playing right field. Looks to me like he's gained a lot of confidence and is much more comfortable at third base now. He's made several nice plays. We know Trey Morgan is one of the best first basemen in the country. Uh, Dylan Cruz, of course, uh, patrolling center field. He's one of, also one of the best players in the country. Uh, Josh Pearson in right field appears to be a fixture now. And then I guess left field, there's a little fluidity there as well because of Gavin Dugas's injury. But, right. I think you'll see maybe uh, Andrew Steve. I called him Andrew Stevenson. Josh <laughs> Stevenson uh, maybe emerge as a full-time starter there as well. You know, Giovanni DiGiacomo, the veteran, you know, very good player, of course, for the Tigers. He, he's really struggled at the plate over the past few weeks. So uh, Josh Stevenson got the start on Sunday, and we may see Josh continue to, to get opportunities out there. Well, Frank, it's kind enough to join us. You've been through um, some memorable, memorable moments with some great plays and comebacks. But how how special was that comeback on that uh, that opening game against <laughs> Mississippi State? Down to your last out, your last strike, and the Tigers yeah. rally. Yeah, that was that was something. You know, I, I went down uh, at the top of the ninth inning. I went down uh, to position myself near the LSU dugout so I could be there for the post game uh, media access with the players and coaches. So. As I was walking down, I think LSU had already, by the time I left the press box and was down by the dugout, we already had two outs. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, we're in bad shape. And so I was able to I kind of position myself near the dugout as Trevinsky was at the plate. He fell behind in the count. And as you said, he was only one strike away from the game being over. Somehow he's able to draw a walk. Uh, Collier Cranford pinch runs for him. Then Josh Stevenson came up as a pinch hitter in that game. And when Josh got hit by the pitch, I'm thinking, you know, heck, we got a chance here because Trey Morgan's coming to the plate. Then right. when uh, Tristo, the uh, Mississippi State closer, threw the wild pitch, now you're second and third, and Trey Morgan's at the plate, so I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling pretty confident. And sure <laughs> enough, man, you could just see it. As soon as the, Tristo released the pitch, you could just see Trey coil, and, uh, and you, can, you, you knew it was going to happen, and he just, he just smashed that pitch right up the middle. Line drive, base hit. Tigers take the lead, and and, and then Cruz wow. finished it off with a two run homer. It was uh, it was very it was very right. exciting, and you could just it, you could tell it, it just sucked the life out of that Mississippi State crowd. Absolutely, and maybe yeah. in a way it, it, for the players as well, because the Tigers, of course, yeah. go on and sweep the series. 
Absolutely. Uh, no question about it. I, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Michaela Hillier didn't start off the season as your Friday night picture. Blake Money had that. Yeah. And some issues, I guess. But I like having that senior, that veteran. He's 3-0. and mm-hmm. His ERA is a little inflated at 4.11 uh, in 35 yeah. innings. But he's got 33 strikeouts and only five walks. But he's going up against a good one in Connor Nolan tonight. This should be a heck of a pitching matchup. I think you're right, Jordy. Uh, McHale, you know, I, again, it doesn't his numbers don't jump off the page. But man, what a what a veteran presence yeah. he is! So poised. I mean, he's perfectly suited for this type of game. And it's going to be a huge crowd, a very a very hostile environment. But he's pitched in games like this his, his entire career at LSU. So I, I'm, I agree. I really like McHale in this situation. Now, Connor Nolan, also a senior, a right-hander for Arkansas, uh, he's in the top five in the SEC in strikeouts. Uh, he's among the top 10 in ERA, so he's going to be a real handful for LSU. He shut down Florida last week uh, in game one in Gainesville. Arkansas defeated Florida behind Connor Noland. Now, the, Gator, the Gators did come back and beat Arkansas the next two. That was Arkansas's first series loss of the year. I know Arkansas is anxious to get back on track uh, this weekend against the Tigers. They, they did play a couple of midweek games. They swept a doubleheader from Arkansas Pine Bluff back on Tuesday. Of course, LSU didn't play during the midweek because of the rainout against Lamar. So mm-hmm. I know Arkansas uh, anxious to, to maintain their first-place position in the SEC West. The Tigers just a game behind yeah. in the SEC West. So LSU, hopefully, if the Tigers can win the series, they'll make up some ground on Arkansas. If they sweep, they take the lead. So that that would be terrific. I, exactly. I've been with LSU football teams. I know what they do on the day of a game. I mean, they just have meeting after meeting after meeting. They'll take them for a walk around the parking lot just to get them off there, get them up and about in the fresh air, and then they'll go back and have more meet. I mean, I've never seen teams meet like that in my life. Basketball gets yeah. up. They go to shoot around. Uh, they actually get up and shoot and go do some things. I, I'm curious, what does baseball do day of game? Well, they do. Uh, they're a little. They're a little more active than uh, maybe some of the, the, the past teams that have uh, have uh, traveled. Uh, okay. Let's see. In fact, Jordy, if you give me just a second, I might call up the. I can call up the itinerary and give you an idea. They uh, right. usually have some time where they they meet uh, before the game, and I think we've talked about this before. With their, they, they uh, Jay's a big believer in visualization. They have a meeting where they just uh, sit and, and here it is. So at 3.40 today, they're going to meet uh, at a room here in the hotel, and they have a meeting where they breathe and visualize. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's what's on the agenda. So that's going to be uh, one of the, the prime activities of the day. Now, this morning, uh, some of the position players did go to the field for some hitting. I believe they just hit okay. in the cages. They do, they do a little uh, hitting. Also, the All players right. uh, do a little strength and conditioning work uh, here at the hotel. So, yeah, hmm. they're pretty active day today with the uh, okay. Some players um, hitting, as, some players involved conditioning, and then the, the then the breathing meeting. Okay, the breathing meeting. You got to go to that yeah. one. Tell me what what that's all about, man. <laughs> Breathe yeah. and close your eyes and visualize. I, I understand. Yeah. I, we 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 tried that once. We had guys falling asleep, so we never did that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, as uh, Jake Johnson told us here on the show, we had him on Tuesday when the 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 weather was coming in. Um, I said, man, you had a great weekend against uh, Mississippi State. Fielding wise, no errors. Yeah. He said, "I don't give him any room to breathe." So he must be he must be <laughs> knocking ground balls to these people left and right yeah. every minute of the day and getting them better. Yeah, 
know, he stated uh, over the weekend that he has taken it upon himself to be more involved in the infield defense. He's not discrediting uh, Coach Fitzgerald. Dan Fitzgerald is our third base coach and also coach of the infielders. He's saying it's not any issues with, with Coach Fitzgerald. Jay just wants to be more involved in defense, particularly infield defense. So, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's definitely yeah. – uh, uh, becoming uh, very much in the players' uh, faces, so to speak, as it comes to defense, and hopefully it's going to continue to pay off. But yeah, I, like I said, I really like the way Barry is playing third base now. Uh, Thompson you know, is, was a fantastic shortstop last year, struggled early, but hopefully he's going to gain a lot more confidence. Doty's a great athlete at second base, and, and we know how good Trey Morgan is. So yeah. there's no reason why LSU can't be a, a solid defense on the infield. No question about it. One last thing. I know teams don't like LSU, especially when they go on the road, but do they have to keep hitting our guys? What in the world is going on with so many hit batters? I've never seen anything like it. I think, you know, Jordy, uh, Jay seems to take a lot of pride in that, and that he feels like that's a part of what makes LSU's offense so good. You know, we're basically, Tennessee leads in virtually every offensive category in the SEC, but LSU's number two in virtually every offensive category. And, of course, we lead in hit-by-pitches, but we're number two in on-base percentage. He feels like on-base percentage, on percentage is a big reason why the Tigers have had so much success offensively. It's not all about hitting homers. So hmm. uh, I think, you know, you know he, Jay has never come out and said it, but I think there's, obvi- you know, there's obviously a, a, an intent there uh, to, to get hit-by-pitches or, or not move out of the way or don't make a big effort to get out of the way when it appears you're going to get hit. So I think that's one reason why LSU has had so much uh, success in getting on base via that route. All right. Well, here's to good weather. Here's to good pitching, good fielding, timely hitting, and let's get some wins here. Um, Bill, we look forward to you and Chris on the call of the game. Uh, We'll be listening right here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Thanks for the time, man. Uh, Go get your, go get your breathing and your visualization. And I I want you to have a great call of the game tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best. Bill, thank you. And happy Easter to you and your family. We'll take a quick Thanks, time Jerry. out happy here. Uh, but before we do, you can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You get the chance to score a pair of Bonton passes. Uh, you'll get uh, exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink line shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival like never before by winning the Festival International national prize pack from the game southwest louisiana sports station Woo! the blender she was a rock and they she was producing some smoothies last night and the pelicans survive in advance will guillory will take us back and take us looking forward to friday was that the last game in the Smoothie King Center for the Pels this year? We hope not, but that story's next here. The Jordy Helpert Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Oh, I got this feeling deep down in my soul that the Smoothie King Center changed once and for all. What a night it was as the Pelicans beat the Spurs 113-103 to um, in the NBA play-in game, the ninth place versus the 10th place. The ninth place team, the good guys win, and now they survive and advance to play the L.A. Clippers on Friday. They win that one. Then they're really in the playoffs, and it's a best-of-seven series against the number one-seeded Phoenix Suns. But we can't worry about that. Let's go back to last night, and he does a tremendous job, our next guest does, as the Pelicans beat writer for The Athletic. Our good friend. It's been too long, but Will Guillory, kind enough to join us. Will, how are you feeling today, man? <laughs> I'm doing well, Jordy. I appreciate you for having me on, man. Man, my pleasure. Uh, um Man, I, I tell you, that was uh, try try and describe the atmosphere. You've been there all year long. You've seen this team before. Try and and in your great way of of wordsmanship, how would you alert our listening audience to what that spectacle was like? Yeah, I mean, it was pure insanity in there last night. It was. I think it might have been you know unlike anything I've experienced. Obviously, you know, I, I was there for the the, the player. The playoff run I should say a couple years ago with AD and Drew and those guys I was there for the Zion debut of four three-pointers in the fourth quarter and uh, man it was just so crazy in there last night just to see the fans how invested they were in that team how excited they were uh, to get that win and it just says so much about what they've done to build up to this moment and also just you know just how much the fans are into this team and it's not about just one guy or one superstar. It's about they, they love every single player on this team. I mean, Jose Alvarado, undrafted oh. rookie, was getting chance at the free throw line like he was an MVP candidate. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy in there just to see how much the, the fans have fallen in love with this entire team and what they've done to kind of build themselves up after that 1-12 start. Will Guillory with us. Um, my buddy Mark Spears um, talked about uh, New Orleans, and he said, if you're a basketball fan, and I'm just kind of, for those that haven't been, quote, NBA games in New Orleans are, are something you need to put on your list, especially on this level. Very unique atmosphere. Fun Mardi Gras live crowd, always. Bounce music. Shrimp Paul boys. Frozen daiquiris. Just haven't had a consistent winner. Maybe now they do. And with that, I bring up the name of C.J. McCollum. I think what the numbers speak for itself on the court, but the difference is off the court. What have you observed? What have you learned about C.J. McCollum and his impact on this club? It's the greatest trade in Pelicans history. I mean, yeah, the guy has been, you know, sensational since he got to New Orleans. And the funny thing, I got to talk to him for a piece I did not that long ago. And, you know, he's so calm and collected when he talks about it because he's like, yeah, this is all part of the plan. <laughs> you know, I came to New Orleans. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to change the culture. I wanted to be a part of these guys rising to the next uh, point in their careers. And I wanted to be the person who can uh, have people look at Pelicans basketball, look at New Orleans basketball differently. Uh, I think the exact quote he gave me was, hey, when I got here, people looked at the, the franchise one way, and when I leave, it's going to be viewed differently. And he's <laughs> extremely confident in his skill and his ability to lead and his understanding of how to win, you know, at this time of the season. And, you know, it's hard to disagree with him, which is when you saw the way he played last night, 32 points, 
19 in the second corner, lifted the team up, you know, after B.I. got into that foul trouble early on. I mean, he's an incredible basketball player, but I think when you talk to people around the team, they mention just how much of a leader he is, how he knows how to say the right thing at the right time. He's not kind of overbearing, kind of screaming at every moment, but he knows, you know, specific times to kind of give his input, to grab a guy and, you know, say a few words in their ear. Uh, I think he's been an outstanding addition to this locker room, and I think he's played a big role in Zion kind of coming back and being part of the fold because he's been a guy that's been in Zion there for the past few weeks and getting him to be more involved with what they have going on. So, yeah, I'm right there with you that this has been, you know, one of the the best trades in franchise history, and I think it's only getting started. He's only going to get better, you know, from here on out once he gets a better understanding of how to play with all these guys. Dude just gets buckets. He just gets buckets. And what I liked about last night, Brandon Ingram been missing a bunch of games. They got him involved offensively early. He had a big first quarter. You mentioned CJ had a huge second quarter. And the third quarter, automatic Mr. Double-Double, Valanchunas with 22 (laughs) and 11, uh, 22 and 14, excuse me. He took over in the third. So you you just can't key on one guy. Like you said, it's it's a, it's a, it's an entire ball club with, with more weapons than I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. And it's it's extremely impressive because I mean, that was only the 15th game. Jay-Z, B.I. and C.J. have played together. It's not like, These guys got a ton of experience together during the regular season because B.I. had his hamstring issues. You know, J.V. had a couple games where he missed through the ankle injury. So, you know, these guys are still learning how to play together. And you saw just the cohesion of what they were doing last night, the understanding of how, you know, to feed each other, to play off each other, to say, hey, J.V. has it going. We're going to feed him in the post. Or C.J. has it going. We're going to clear out and let him cook. And I think – you know, with a lot of teams, it takes months, maybe even years to get to that point. But, uh, you know, Willie Green has to get a ton of credit for just how quickly he's been able to get these guys to buy in, uh, understanding how to utilize his system to kind of bring the best out of all of these guys. And I think they're all on the same page right now. They're feeling good about what, what they're doing. They're confident in how they're playing. And, and this is an extremely dangerous team because we got to remember – uh, you know, they don't have the guy that was averaging 30, shooting 60% last year. I mean, they're going to add an incredible piece to this puzzle, you know, once he gets healthy. And they're already looking extremely dangerous what they're doing right now. So I think it's a ton of credit to Willie Green, but also just the belief these guys have put in place from day one. And now they are fi- they finally have some evidence to prove why they're right uh, to, to believe as much as they have all year. Yeah, the, the future is bright, and the future is now. Um, Herb Jones, 12 points, that's that's gravy. Um, uh, five rebounds, that that's icing on the cake. The impact that this dude has done, made as a rookie, night in, night out, having to guard the best player on the other team, and there's some great players in this league. This rookie's guarding LeBron James. I mean, this rookie's guarding uh, Steph Curry. Uh, it, it's amazing. He he kind of sets the tone, and the Pels used to be a laughing stock defensively. Uh, not anymore, simply by his sheer will and everybody kind of hopping on board with him. I mean, it's crazy. I think it's fair to say, and it's crazy because he's in year one, but I think Herb Jones is one of the, you know, the most outstanding defenders I've seen you know, no at question. the NBA level, uh, especially in a Pelicans uniform, because it's not just like he does one thing, right? I got to watch Drew Holiday 
you know, for four years here in New Orleans. And he was one of the, the, the most dynamic on-ball defenders I've seen in my life, just the way he was able to keep guys in front of him, use mm-hmm. his strength and his quickness to his advantage. And Herb has a lot of that in his game, but he's also a guy who comes from the weak side and gets blocks, right? He, he jumps the passing lane and gets steals. He knows how to read the game. He, he understands how to stay two steps ahead of the offense. I mean, the guy has so many different pieces to his defensive game and such a great understanding of the game. And this is the guy who was playing in the SEC last year. I mean, he's just getting started in his NBA career. And he, he's, his basketball IQ is at such a high level. I mean, it's incredible to see what he does from night to night. And I think he's one of those guys you can put in that conversation where you say, hey, when the crowd gets loud, when the, the stakes are high, when the lights get bright, his game goes to another level. And I, I think you saw that in those Lakers games this year. You saw that last night against the Spurs. This is a guy who embraces the big moments. And it's not just about hitting shots. It's about him bringing his intensity and his level of focus on a defensive end to the next level. And I think to have this kid, you know, as a part of this group for years to come, uh, it's such a, a great find for this Pelicans team because that's what they need, right? They have all the offensive firepower you could ever want with B.I., C.J., and J.V. and Zion. But now you have this Herb Jones kid who all he wants to do is play defense. Perfect. All he wants to do yep. is lock that's people the up. Perfect. And that's he's the- doing it at a high level. That is the perfect piece to the puzzle. He held Murray, the the uh, Spurs' best player, to five of nineteen shooting. Murray got into a little early foul trouble, but held him, a, you know, an All Star to sixteen points. He, he's just tremendous. At, but I'm telling you, um, he has stolen the hearts of basketball fans in New Orleans. This Jose Alvarado, he is <laughs> something. Um, or, uh, you know, what, what a pickup this was a two-way contract. That's now turned into a, um, a, a pretty nice contract for this kid from Georgia tech, uh, 22 minutes gets 12 points, three assists. He's always going to get a steal. Um, doesn't turn the ball over. He's just, man, what a fine this kid's been. I mean, Jordan, the guy was an undrafted free agent, and he's getting chance at the free throw line like he's the MVP candidate yes. last night. I, yes. I, mean, I haven't seen anything like it before. I mean, the, the fan base, the, you, you saw the video of the fans leaving the arena last night, and that chant, Jose, Jose, Jose. They're not screaming CJ. They're not screaming B.I. They're screaming Jose. How much they love <laughs> Jose Alvarado, They're the backup point guard. I mean, it, it's kind of – it says a lot about what he's done with his personality and his energy. And, you know, he's such an amazing locker room guy. You hear guys around the team talk about Jose and just this, the stuff you see on the floor. He's that guy every single day when he walks in the building. He's dancing around. He's joking with people. He's a uniter. He brings everybody together. Uh, but I think it's kind of a bigger message about this team that this fan base has fallen in love with the team is not yeah. one superstar. It's not a yeah. transcendent player who's putting up crazy numbers. They love this team and the personality they bring, the, the culture they've been able to put in place. And I think that's what you saw in the building last night, everybody being excited about what this team has done. Yeah. And it's not just about B.I. or C.J. It's about what they've done together to get to this point. And, I, yeah, again, it says a lot about Willie Green and, and Griff and what they've done to build this thing up to get to this point. They are fun to watch. Will Giller of the Athletic. What is the thought process? I mean, if Zion didn't like what he saw last night, he came out and said, teams got to get better. Well, they got better. They got better without him. And now they're packing the joint. I mean, if he's not like, wow, what's what's the latest on him, do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, he's getting a lot closer. He's playing five-on-five, five, which is a great sign. You saw him throwing a couple of those classics I have dug down yeah. last night in pregame. I think he's getting really close. I, I highly doubt he's going to play tomorrow night in L.A. Uh, but I tell you, man, I, I would not be surprised if we start hearing his name out there as a possibility if they can get to that Phoenix series and okay. they can get a few more practices in. It would not shock me because you see how good he's looking. You see he's moving well. Uh, I think the big issue now is just getting him on the court, getting him practice time so he can mm-hmm. get his win right and, you know, get back into basketball shape. I think he's fully healthy now, but it's just okay. about getting back in basketball shape. So he's extremely close, uh, but I think he still has a few more steps to go. But I think they're really excited about the progress he's made so far. Will, um, the Clippers lost to the Timberwolves 109-104, meaning that uh, they get the winner of the Pels and the Spurs, which were the Pels. When I mention the Spurs, I think of Paul George getting back, who had 34 points in 41 minutes against the T-Wolves. Um, I think of Reggie Jackson. They got a pretty good backcourt. What What are the keys, you think? What What do the Pels have to do well to uh, to beat the Clippers? Yeah, I mean, this is a Clippers team that beat up on the Pels pretty good a couple weeks ago. And I think mm-hmm. it, that game was a little bit, you know, misleading because the Pels are coming off that big emotional win against the Lakers the night before, right. a couple nights before. They had a couple nights off in L.A., you know, how that goes with NBA players. <laughs> Been there, done that. And you're feeling real good. You know, that next game, you're not quite as locked in. So I think they're going to be much more focused. This time around, going to L.A., but I, I think uh, you mentioned it. I think Paul George is the big name to watch going into that game. Obviously, another huge test for Herb Jones. I think yep. he, he's the guy that makes that system go there in L.A. He's such a dynamic player on both ends, can score at every level, defends at an, uh, an elite level. Uh, so I think that matchup is going to be huge. And also just the, the, the three-pointers, that they can hit you from so many uh, different guys out there in L.A. They have such great size on the perimeter. I think it's going to be a difficult mm-hmm. matchup for this Pels team because they're so versatile. They're so uh, just varied in the way they can do different lineups. And we know Ty Lue, that guy isn't afraid He's to coach. do anything. He'll throw any uh, anything out there at any point in the game, especially in a do-or-die situation. Yeah. So I think Willie Green has got another big test. Herb Jones has got a, another big test. But it's about limiting Paul George first and foremost. And I think you can kind of figure it out. Uh, from there, but I think that's where it starts. If Willie Green in an elimination game can beat Greg Popovich, the all-time winningest coach in NBA history, <laughs> I ain't worried about Willie Green against Ty Lue. That's not a knock on Ty Lue, but he he might knocked off the head of Mount Rushmore. He can he can coach against Ty Lue. And to your point, the Clippers in the loss, 16 of 35 from downtown, 46%. So so we shall see. We shall see. Um, man, that was that was quite a night um i've always believed you know basketball you gotta in this part of the world you've got to win you've got to be a winner and the fans will come and they'll back you to the tilt and they showed that now if we can just keep this going um that no that misnomer about new orleans not a basketball town that's garbage you win they'll be there yeah no doubt i think it was a phenomenal night for the franchise for the city uh, to see the way the fans came out and supported those guys. Uh, again, I think it's about you know what they've done as a team to build this up, and I think the fan base is just completely bought in and what they're doing and the culture they're building. And it's exciting to see what this thing is going to look like, you know, in the future and how they can kind of build off of this success there in the second half of the season. 
Well, I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, happy Easter to you and yours. Thank you for the time today. And uh, let's all flock up um, at, uh, what is that? What is that arena? Staples Center. What's it called now? I can't even remember. Uh, the, the, the crypto.com arena yeah. now. I still uh, call it. Let's go, well, let's go crypto it. crazy, man. Let's go. Thank you, man. Have a great time. <laughs> thank you, Jody. All right. You're the best. Will Guillory covering the Pels for the athletic, you know, don't we all want to clean up Lafayette parish trash bash, a community cleanup presented by the environmental quality division of Lafayette consolidated government LCG and the Bayou Vermilion district BVD is scheduled on Saturday, April 23rd. Residents of all ages are invited to, to, to participate, to pick up litter in streets, parks, and Bayou Vermilion. Any Anyone can volunteer. Volunteers can register by calling 337-291-5637 or emailing recycling at lafayettela.gov. There's no cost to participate. Clean up Lafayette Parish. We're going to clean up our number one when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holtberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? When you wash your hair, you know, I work on my hair a long time and you can hiss my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holtberg and the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, if you want the perfect Easter gift, how about a gift card from Eon of Lafayette? Smarter Body Contouring, the first robotic, touchless, laser body contouring device for non-invasive, permanent fat loss. That is Eon of Lafayette. Coming up, our number two of the program, Michael Huguenin of On3.com. We'll talk all things college football. Nick Saban says college football is not going to survive under the current format. We'll delve into that. And Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We'll talk all things NFL. It's coming your way. Our number two of the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, we are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back for hour number two on this Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hour uh, number two of two, and away we go on this uh, happy Thursday, April 14th, the year 2022. We're brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, both in Lafayette and in Baton Rouge. Feeling good is as important as looking good for both men and women. If you're feeling the effects of aging, address it with hormones and regain your vitality, your mood, and your physicality. 
Testosterone deficiency can affect your muscle mass, your sex drive, and more. Regain what makes you a man or a woman with therapy tailored to your needs. Hormone replacement therapy. Get a free consultation at the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. We begin our number two with our near and dear friend. We were off yesterday because of the Houston Astros, but uh, we are thrilled to be back today and our good man let's uh even though it's a thursday we still think of it as a hump day with my main man let's do it james Uh-oh. do you know what day it is huh? anybody it's time for jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with mike huganin of on3.com mike 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 what day is it mike here is hump day with huganin on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Good afternoon, Michael. Happy early Easter to you and the Huguenin crew, buddy. How are you? Uh, I've been better because today my uh, computer blew up and I've lost my hard drive. So, um, <laughs> as everybody knows, when that happens, um, expletives fly. <laughs> and your day and your day is ruined. So my day has been ruined. Oh my gosh! I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. I am so sorry to hear yeah, about yeah. that. But um, you know, they, they, it happens, and it, it'll get fixed, and you'll get you'll get back in the swing of things sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, we've said this for years and years and years and years. If you're in the news now, it's usually not a good thing. Uh, but Nick Nick Saban, the um, maybe the greatest coach in college football history. I think he is. Maybe others think differently, but uh, he warned that the current NIL model is unsustainable and it's bad for college football. Take me through it. What did he say? What did he mean by that? Yeah, I'm not sure what he means by unsustainable. Um, I think it's been shown through the first seven or eight months that there are alumni and booster bases out there that are willing to do whatever's needed. Um, now, you could argue that this is going to create an uneven playing field. I would argue that the playing field already was uneven anyway. You and I have talked about this many times. There's 130, well, there's 131 now uh, FBS teams because James Madison is now uh, uh, an FBS team. Um, within the FBS ranks, teams aren't the same. Alabama is not New Mexico State. LSU is not Utah State. Florida is not James Madison. So the uneven playing field is already out there. If he's saying it could get worse, no, I, I believe that. It could, it could get worse. Um, and I think that we've talked to a bunch of coaches who are frustrated with what NIL has become. It was supposed to be you profit off your name, image, and likeness, not – We'll give you money to come here, and we'll we'll have NIL deals in place when you get here. That technically is supposedly illegal. Um, the NCA has no stomach, though, to try to enforce that. And my presumption is that's what he's talking about. But I think I think every coach agrees with him. But at the same time, I don't see any coaches standing up and saying. Um, the, this, this kind of NIL deal, we're not going to use it. Um, right. and that's sort of, uh, you know, say again, Saban is saying what a lot of coaches are saying. 
Um, but no coach has gone the extra mile to say, not only is this bad, we're, we're not going to use this portion of NIL because every coach knows that would be cutting his own throat. I've said this ad nauseum as well, and I still believe it in the in the deepest recesses of my heart. I, I still believe that college football is going to have enough with the NCAA, and they're going to say we're done. We're going to form our own super minor league NFL system, and we're going to hire a commissioner. We're going to go out. That commissioner's job is to secure television contracts I, I i just think that's inevitable am i am i nuts mike am i nuts well i think for for foot you know football is so different than everything else and if you break away for football um what does that mean for basketball baseball gymnastics everything else so i think that's the the conundrum um yeah. there is legitimate reason to be concerned about the viability of the NCA. Um, they've recently decided to rewrite their constitution and the AD, I think I've talked about, we talked about this before the AD at Caltech at the NCAA convention basically said, why do we continue to feel the need to sort of all be under the same umbrella? And she, she's exactly right. Again, Mm -hmm. there's more than a thousand schools in the NCAA division one, division two and division three. Think about it. Schools in division one are vastly different. The idea that Division One football schools uh, are in the same organization under the same umbrella as a Division Three school that's really good at women's lacrosse—it it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, I think the danger, though, if you, like you said, break away, um, is that different enough from the NFL? And what does that do to put? to baseball, basketball, and all the other sports as well. Okay, we'll see. Michael Huguenin on 3.com. Uh, we, we talked about the similarities of um, of the the career of a Gene Chiswick to the career of an Ed Orgeron. That one unbelievable season and then... Boom. Um, Ed Orgeron now um, taking his boys and he's he's staying at Notre Dame, watching what they do. And um, do you think there will be a um, a calling for Ed Orgeron back as a power five head coach? Or do you think he's going to have to go if he does want to get back into coaching to a group of five type of position? Or do you think he'd be satisfied being a coordinator at some power five school? I'm just curious as to what you think his his future is. I don't think he'd become a power five head coach again. I think there's too much negative baggage associated with Orgeron on a lot of uh-huh. different levels. Um, could he be a coordinator? I think so, but even though he's never been one, um, that's right. certainly interesting. Would he want to be one? That's that's a big question. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I'm chuckling at the idea that Orgeron is very has been very public about, hey, look at me, I'm in Notre Dame. Right. Um, if if you know, I'll be honest. If I'm an LSU fan, um, hey Ed, okay, fine. Why didn't you go somewhere else? Why Notre Dame? <laughs> I, I I don't get that. Um, mm-hmm. It's and I get serious. The idea that Ed Orgeron would ever be the coach at a place like Notre Dame, like that to me is ludicrous. Um, I'm not even, again, the coordinator aspect, I'm not sure he'd want to be a coordinator. To me, he, I can see him being a, a group of five coach, um, certainly a defensive line coach somewhere, though. My presumption is he'd want to be a head coach again. I don't think that's happening at Power Five. 
television with would you think he'd be good at television like Shizik no did? i i think he'd be interesting for segments but uh-huh. uh, i'm i'm not sure that tv is, is in his future he's a little you know they had i can remember they had mike leach on one year uh, uh, and and Reach has a personality vastly different than Orzrons, though both wow. are interesting personalities. Um, Leach to me was a disaster as an analyst because he was so monotone and never seemed right. to get excited. And I don't think he was particularly insightful. I think Orzron might be insightful about certain things, but the idea uh, I, I can't imagine him being a, an analyst for a three-hour game because I think I think Leach was horrible at that. I think Orgeron would be horrible at that. I'm with you. Michael Hugan and on3.com is fascinating. Um, I guess he's in Notre Dame because he offered the head coach, the uh, defensive coordinator position to who is now the head coach True. at Notre Dame, and they've stayed in touch. So maybe that's the deal. I don't know. Um, everybody's maybe, right. picking but Alabama and to Georgia that, to I'll win. be honest. The first, the first thing I thought was, look at this. He's He's – LSU hired Brian Kelly. Not everybody's happy. So where's Ed Orgeron going? He's going at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's old school. So that's that's what's. You're right. The Freeman. He did have a relationship with Freeman. Um, though I, I would argue that if Ed Orgeron wants to be more well-rounded as a head coach, he might be better off spending time at a school that has an established head coach who's been a winner for a while. And that would be Alabama and Nick Saban, but he swears he would never do that. LSU fans would get, jump off the cliff if he did that. Speaking of Alabama, everybody's picking them to win the West again. They got the best quarterback in the conference. Is there a threat to Alabama in the SEC West? And if I don't so, think who, so, who would it be? No. I think Texas A&M's got the second best roster, top to bottom. Um, their quarterback situation is interesting. You and I have talked about this before. Jimbo. Fisher got there, you know, sort of known as a quarterback whisperer. His quarterbacks have been extremely spotty. Um, And, you know, granted, last year, Calzada was not the guy they wanted to start. Haynes King got hurt. Now this year, it's Haynes King and Max Johnson. I still think Haynes King has the higher ceiling of the two. Um, But you're right. Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the country, the reigning Heisman winner. Um, And then there's you know, talent along both lines of scrimmage at linebacker and the secondary. Um, can be interesting to see who the, the the go-to running back or the lead back is. Presumably, it's Jameer Gibbs, who's the go-to receiver. That's interesting. But the mm-hmm. talent-wise, I don't think anybody in the West. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama goes eight and zero in the West, and the team that finishes second is six two or five three. Okay. Um, Mike, you can on three.com. What message was sent and what is the plight of the big 12? Now that Bob Bowlesby has stepped down as the commissioner, the most senior power five commissioner calling it quits uh, amid the college athletics, uncertain future. What message does that send? I think it's, you know, he's 70 years old uh, and you're like, okay, maybe he doesn't want to put up with it anymore. Uh, You also wonder sort of if, the other the, the schools in the Big Twelve said you let Oklahoma and Texas leave on your watch. Yeah, you know yeah. we're done. Um, I think the thing about Bowlesby is I think he has all along as a commissioner looked out not only for his own league but for the good of college football. 
Um, you know, I think you can contrast that with let's get serious. Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, who seemed hell well, who was hell bent on we're not expanding the playoffs um, because it might not be the best thing for my league. Though I think he's foolish to think that. But I think Bowlesby, um, because of his background, he had been the AD at Stanford, been the AD at Iowa. He's the guy who hired Ferentz at Iowa. He hired Harbaugh and Shaw at Stanford. He's been mm-hmm. around. He's seen a lot of things i think he always worried about every here his focus wasn't merely on the schools in my league it was what's best for the sport i think for the most part but i think that aspect um his common sense approach because i think he had common sense uh, i think that's going to be missed i think um maybe he wasn't quite the businessman that some of these other uh uh, these other commissioners are but I mm-hmm. think that, and I've been, I work with Ivan Mizell, and Ivan wrote it. You know, he he's a common sense guy, and in an era of college athletics without a lot of common sense. Right. Are you hearing anything whatsoever? Because I'm of the belief that 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 Texas and Oklahoma can't stay in the Big Twelve much longer. They got to get into the SEC. It's just bad. It's bad overall for everybody uh, for them to stay there. Have you heard any rumblings of trying to expedite this transfer? Yeah, yeah, and I think it, interestingly enough, it came from the UCF AD Terry Mohair, who has been on the job about a year. He was quoted in a local newspaper here. They, they asked him about, okay, when are you guys leaving the AAC for the Big Twelve? And he says, well, we want to get that, we want to get that finalized soon. And they pressed him on, and he said, eh, June or July. So hmm. two or three months. So my presumption, reading between the lines, was, okay, if you think this is going to be fixed in two to three months, that means you're pretty sure, or the league is pretty sure, that the Oklahoma-Texas situation will be finalized in two or three months. Whether it's believe. this is the last year in the Big 12 for both, or whether 2023 is the last year in the Big 12 for both, my presumption from what the UCF AD said is that th- there's legitimate big-time talk going on as to when all this is going to happen. Because again, if you're, if you're the Big 12, do you really want to bring in those four teams while Oklahoma and Texas are still there? No. And the answer, of course, would be no way right. you want that to happen. So um, it, my presumption is it's, it's going to be sooner rather than later. But um, there's a lot of moving parts, obviously, uh, right. not the least of which is how you schedule not only for football but for basketball and baseball yeah. and all, everything else. Yeah. But you're right. It's bad optics. Um, if you're Texas and Oklahoma and you're in the Big 12, everybody knows you're leaving. It's like right. your house guests. You want them out of there. So right. presumably something's going to get done again, I think, sooner rather than later. Yeah, if I'm the commissioner, you don't want to be with us? Get the heck out of here. We don't want Go to do here. your exactly. own thing. Right. Yeah, take your ball with you. Um, Ex-Georgia USC quarterback JT Daniels transferring to West Virginia. Apparently the quarterback coach or offensive coordinator, he's got ties with there. Does that does that move the needle at all? Yeah, I think I don't think anybody's really surprised by that. The, the new offensive coordinator is Graham Harrell, who had yeah. been at USC. He coached Daniels. Um, I think there's also I'm, I think there is a legit question. How good is this guy? Uh, West Virginia needs a quarterback who can throw the ball. Daniels can do that. Um, he is in, he seems at least injury prone. Um, but 
that to me is a, is a interesting fit because Neil Brown wants to throw the ball. He hired Graham Harrell to introduce more facets of the the Leach offense. So the 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 fit seems like a good one. The prior relationship is important, and the job is all Daniels. I mean, there's nobody else there that that can play at that level. I don't think so. I think that's an interesting fit. I think the only negative aspect is that he wasn't there for spring ball. So their their summer camp, man, it's going to be extremely important for a coach who enters the 2022 season on a hot seat. All right. Michael Huguenin has no computer, but uh, he's got all the facts stored up in that uh, membrane known as the brain. He is the, he is the best. Who is a, who, if you had to pick one team, who would be your favorite to um, hoist that trophy in the upcoming college football season? Who's your preseason number one? Alabama is, and my preseason number two is Ohio State. I think Ohio State is extremely interesting because of the defensive coordinator hire they made. Jim Knowles, um, he did yeoman work at Duke with less than stellar talent. And he goes to Oklahoma State, and he turns them in. They, They were quite good defensively last year, and now he's at Ohio State. And to me, it's like it's like a kid who's you know his, whose grandparents were always told, don't spend a lot of money on Mike's toys at Christmas. And then all of a sudden, the parents say, spend all the money you want on Christmas presents. So at Christmas, all sorts of flashy toys are there. It's like Jim Knowles now is, is at Ohio State and looks around and sees elite athletes who will play in the NFL. And he really hasn't had a lot of those before. So I think Ohio State's defense could be greatly improved and their offense already was I mean they they're gonna have they're gonna lose two first round receivers and their offense might be better. Wow. Boy, um quarterback's the key. You got new quarterback yeah. I mean you got a looks like a quarterback battle at Clemson. Um you got a quarterback competition at Texas A&M. Um but my question is this and this is the last one. Uh two figurehead programs from years gone by who have basically fallen off the face of the earth and that's Florida State and Nebraska. Which one of those teams comes back to some sense of prominence first if I think- ever? I think Florida State's got the better opportunity. The the ACC is not as good as the Big Ten. Plus, Florida State's recruiting base obviously is tremendous. I think the one issue for Florida State, um, Florida with Billy Napier is going to recruit a lot better because the infrastructure is now in place. Miami with Cristobal is going to recruit better because Cristobal is a force of nature when it comes to recruiting. Norvell, think about it this way. Miami and Florida – both out-recruited FSU in the last cycle with new wow. coaches. That bodes ill for the future, but FSU, again, they're in the ACC, which isn't very good, and the recruiting base is such that they should be able to rebuild. The thing is, they've, lost, they've had four losing seasons in a row. First time that's happened since 73 through 76. Wow. All right, Michael Huguenin on three.com happy easter man thank you so much i hope you get your computer back sooner rather than later all right buddy you take care um michael huguenin i um little football note here uh for lsu brian kelly just got a uh some good news it was originally thought that tight end 
Nick Stores, who was also a pitcher on the baseball team, had medically retired during the 2021 season. But today, LSU reporter Wilson Alexander, friend of the program for The Advocate, tweeted that Stores was back on the roster and would wear number 48 this season. Tight end, a big position of need. Uh, the 6'6 former pitcher thought to, uh, his career thought to be over with a medical issue, but he remained with the program and he is back on the roster and he'll wear number 48. He appeared in 10 games for LSU over his career, making a one start. He has yet to record any stats. I don't know what role he'll he'll carve out for himself this fall. Um, hopefully he'll be able to avoid some injuries that have plagued him through his career. Now, what does this do to the roster size and what LSU does from there? That is to be determined. To be determined. Um, all right, let's see here. Um, the NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You can clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same game parlay. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code 1037GAME at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-7867. Back with more. The Jordy Helpert Show. On the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 14th, 1969. It's the first regular season Major League Baseball game played outside the United States. The Montreal Expos defeat the St. Louis Cardinals 8-7 in Montreal. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan Thee Stallion, just to name 
a few. That's Hangout Music Fest May 20th through the 22nd in Gulf Shores when VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. A Florida fan, an Alabama fan, and an LSU fan are climbing a mountain and arguing about who loves their team the most. So the Florida fan insists that he is the most loyal. This is for Florida, he yells and jumps off the mountain. Not to be outdone, the LSU fan is next to profess his love for his team. He yells, this is for the Tigers, and pushes the Alabama fan off the mountain. Boom! You got to love it. You got to love it. Yes, indeed. You got to love the Pelicans and their win last night. Uh, The Atlanta Hawks were winners last night as well, but the Pels will be back in action on Friday in L.A. against the Clippers with Paul George and company. Um, such a such an uplifting experience at home with that crowd. Now can they do it on the road? That is, uh, that is the key. Um, here's the other key. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Boy, does this sound good. Richard Seafood Patio is some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, fried and grilled seafood, burgers, steaks, poor boys, and a seafood buffet. Go sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. All right, we'll take a time out here. Uh, it's time for the Schwab, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, all things NFL. When we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, we are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 35 minutes after the hour on this Thursday, April 14th. Hope you're having a great one. Beautiful weather here. We're brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Hormone replacement therapy. It is the way to go. Our good friend from Yahoo Sports, Frank Schwab, out there in Denver, Colorado. How's the weather in Denver, Frank? And uh, happy early Easter to you and yours. I appreciate that. It is, it's cold, Jordy. It's cold. We are <laughs> uh, still not uh, still not going to any Rockies games. Let's put it that way. I, mm. I, I got to wait for this thing to warm up a bit. Oh, my gosh. I'm kind of curious. Uh, the NFL draft is, is right around the corner. Um, why is the NFL draft after free agency shouldn't it be just the opposite mm. it's a great question actually I, I thought about that it's it's a weird you know i guess one's got to be before the other he'd be saying i mean why is the draft before for age i guess 
I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's just one of those things. It's always been that way and nobody's ever questioned it. So okay. I, I can't give you a great answer, but it's something I have thought about before. Like, why did they pick that order? So you might be onto something here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, quarterbacks always rule the roost. It seems like uh, he was always going to be traded. He wasn't appreciated, whatever, but, but Derek Carr gets his $121.5 million Oof. extension. They must like him in, uh, in Vegas. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. I, I, I look. Quarterbacks are overpaid. We consider and discuss like, is Derek Carr really worth forty million a year? It's probably no. the answer is no. probably no. But yeah. that's what he goes for. What are you gonna do? Let him go. I think Derek Carr's a good player. I think uh, I said this, you know, before. Nobody has spent more time on the Twitter trade block than the actual trade block than Derek Carr. We've been yeah. trying to get rid of Derek Carr for the Raiders for five, six years now, but yeah. he's a good solid quarterback. Is he, is he a top 12 guy? No, but I, I think he's good. He, you could win with him. You can go to playoffs with him as they showed last year. I like him. Yes. He's overpaid, but I think part of it too is look, I covered Josh McDaniels when he started with the Denver Broncos, pretty much the first thing he did as Denver Broncos coach was alienate Jay Cutler and have to trade him. Right. I think he wanted to set a, a tone this year that, that Derek Carr's my guy. Let's stop all the speculation. Mm -hmm. We're going to win with this guy. I can work with him. I like him. And giving him $40 million a year is a good way to do that. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. You know, it's such a – who really – did anyone ever really expect Justin Herbert to come in uh, unannounced like that yeah. and get thrown into the starting position like 10 minutes before the game started and just, shoom, take off? And now he's think he everybody thinks he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Yeah, it, it could happen. It, it could get it could get weird that way sometimes. And if you really got does. one, you hang on to them. Yeah. Do you think there's one like that in this crop coming up in this? No, draft? I, I truly don't. I, I mean, the one guy who intrigues me is Malik Wells, just because I think he has that just raw ability that nobody else has, and maybe a, the right coach could harness that. Hmm. You let him sit a year, and I'm usually not a proponent of quarterback sitting a year, but I think this class. I don't see it being any plug and play starter. Right. I think, and you know, basically they're all projects, but he's the one I think with the highest upside. I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a Justin Herbert, you know, by the end of September this year, we're going to be like, Whoa, this guy's a star. I don't think there's one guy like that. If there is one guy that's equal outside of uh, Liberty. I, I just, I think he has the most going for him long-term, but I, it'll take a lot for him to get there. I just think that's the nature of this particular quarterback class. It's not very good. There's a couple couple guys who could make it. That, you know, there there's a couple guys you could see. Hey, maybe down the road this this could be a thing. Matt Corral, even somebody like that, but nobody who's just jumping out at you and saying I'm going to be a star in the NFL. Do you think the kid from Alabama, Bryce Young? Do you think he has that it factor when his time comes? I, I think so, but I will say this: that it's always hard to evaluate Alabama quarterbacks because I swear, like you you do this too, watching the SEC. Every time you watch Alabama play, the receivers are running 20 yards past everybody. <laughs> that's how, right. I, like, how can that's not just happen in the NFL? <laughs> yeah. You don't have the best players on your team. You right. don't have an offensive line filled with five-star recruits. It right. doesn't happen. So I think it could get tough to say what an Alabama quarterback is. I think Bryce Young's really, really good. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. He'd probably go first in this draft if he's in it, if you know Jacksonville wasn't trying to pick. But I, I don't know. It's it's there's always going to be that. In the back of your mind, this is, well, is it just because Alabama's just much yeah. better than everybody, or is this kid really the real deal? He's 27 years old today. 
is Baker Mayfield. Do you think he has a starting job somewhere? And why is he going out there and, and telling the masses that he feels disrespected at Cleveland, who still owes him like $18 million? Right. You can disrespect me all you want. Just pay me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that he's a guy, you look, for, for better or worse, he's always been honest. If you ask him a question, he's going to tell you what he thinks. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. And maybe he should be laying low. But I, I don't. Look, I don't think it's it's a surprise to anybody he feels this way. He basically got his starting job taken away from him. And it's a really interesting conundrum because Cleveland can't just get rid of him, even making that much money because we don't know if Deshaun Watson's getting suspended six games, eight mm-hmm. games, two games, four years. I don't know. We have no idea right now. Right. None, maybe none. Uh, but we don't know. And it would look crazy for Cleveland, who probably doesn't want to just punt the season. Let, let's say it's eight games for Deshaun Watson. I don't think it will be. What, it, what if it is? And you've just cut Baker Mayfield. You don't have a quarterback. Oh, right. what are you going to do? Like, I, so I don't think they can give him away. I don't think there's a team out there that is just dying to make him their starter or, or something would have happened already. I, I think he's a backup opening day. I, I don't know where exactly. Right. Unless it's again, unless he's replacing Deshaun Watson, but I don't think he's any team's preferred starter on opening day. And that's really, really weird. And I, for all that, I do believe we just lost Frank. We did. Um, shucks. He was on a roll. Oh, sorry. There, there we go. There you are. There you are. Okay. Um, as I was saying, he's second in the pecking order to Jimmy Garoppolo. If a team really wants a quarterback, the first call is going to San Francisco, and then the second call is to Cleveland. So we got to find the second team in line to get Baker Mayfield. And it's it's crazy to think about. But, yeah, I, I kind of assume both of those guys will not be starters on opening day. Do you – I keep, we we talked about it last week and we've had a week to think about it and still nothing's happened in Seattle. What the heck do they do? What are they? I, I just think that they're, I I don't know. They've always been an unconventional franchise and no more so than this year when you just, you basically trade Russell Wilson away without a great backup plan. And I I think they have to draft somebody. I think they can be in line for Pickett or Willis or whoever you're going to draft. And they just put all their eggs in his basket, I guess. Give Drew Locke a year. I don't know. I I, I just – this isn't the type of year where you're just like, we're going to draft a starter. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be bad news for – like we just talked about Malik Willis and how he needs maybe a year. I think it would be bad news for him to go to Seattle because they might need him to start opening day. And I don't think that's the best for him. Which, which quarterback that was traded or has moved, which one has the best the best season? Is it is it the guy in your backyard? I think it could be. I, I'm fully on board with Russell Wilson that everything that happened late last season was injury-related. Everything. Like, people were like, well, maybe Russ has lost a step. Maybe he's – no, he came back really soon from a finger injury. And, I, again, I give him all the credit for his toughness, trying to get back for the team. I really do respect it. But he wasn't right. He wasn't throwing the ball as he always throws it. I think with an off-season recovery, he's going to be just fine. There's pieces in place around him to make him really good. I do. I, I really like Russell Wilson in his new spot. I will say this, uh, and I was asked about Deshaun Watson yesterday, and we did the whole, like, if we're not talking about off-field, we're just talking about on the field. On the field, I think that guy is a top-six quarterback, six, seven, maybe top five. Like, I, I just think he's a tremendous football player. It might take a year because you're not just getting used to a new city and new teammates. You're also – dealing with this off the field stuff and also getting used to playing in Cleveland, which weather-wise he's never done before. Right. I right. think long-term though, Deshaun Watson is going to be, a, I mean, whatever they, we can say whatever we want to do about him off the field, but on the field, he's going to be a home run. Who would be your top five quarterbacks right here, right now? 
I, I think Mahomes has got to be number one, right? Like he has to be. I'll probably forget somebody because I'm doing this off the top of my head. Josh Allen is, is clearly up there. Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs. He's still way up there. Yeah. I, I kind of think Justin Herbert's in the top five already, Jordy. Ooh, okay. I really do. I, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got to go there. And after that, oof, that it's tough to, to fill this out. Uh, I, would you, you, know, would I, you take I, Brady or Watson? I'd probably take Brady right now. I mean, it just, just depends what you're looking for. You look at, yeah. are you asking me who's going to, who's the best quarterback this year, 2022? It's easily Brady. So I think you got to put him in that conversation. Stafford's in that conversation. I, I think Russell Wilson's in that conversation. Okay. I've always loved his okay. game, and not just because he's a Wisconsin guy. So yeah, there's a few guys that are running there. I, I'd probably, I might settle on Russ. I, I just have such respect for his game and what he's done that he's, uh, he, he's a guy I've always thought is just going to walk into the Hall of Fame someday. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, we've said for years ago before they made the change in ownership that the L.A. Clippers were the worst franchise in the NBA. Have the Washington Commanders become that of the NFL? <laughs> uh, easily, easily. Well, wow. I, and it's even tough to say easily because wow, Houston Texans are still out there. The New York Jets are still out there. But you look at this situation but, and I mean the ownership a, issue, man. I mean, the, the letter that came out from the oversight committee, uh, go read it if you have it, because it is really it's, it's almost a, a, just a blueprint in how you poorly run an NFL franchise. I mean, the, they were trying to get just this half, half brain scheme to, to basically steal money if everything's true in that document. And I mean, I guess I'll get their day in court, so to speak, but it all looks pretty damning on top of everything else that has happened there. And I just don't know how Daniel Snyder keeps his team. The NFL has to know this guy is bad for business. And let's remove what we think about him as a person and all of the workplace misconduct type of stuff that goes on in Washington. Let's just talk about business and dollars and cents. And let's say, I heard some people talk about like, well, Jerry Jones is bad for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is incredible for the Cowboys. Cowboys have like quadrupled in value. (laughs) I mean, he's... Yeah. Daniel Snyder is going the other way with Washington. This is a, a franchise that should be one of the NFL's flagship franchises, right? The top seven or eight, right? And they're nowhere near that. They have the worst no. stadium deal in the NFL, because, probably because Daniel Snyder's not personable enough to get a new stadium done. They are losing fans at a rate I've never seen from a professional team. Look, if you, you know, Saints fans out there, right? You're going to be a Saints fan for life. They can go two and 13 or two and 15. You're going to be there. a Saints fan. I have so many Washington friends through the years who have texted me like, I'm done with this. Team. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I don't root for them anymore. I don't want them anymore. I've never seen that. You're usually loyal to your death. Like that's a, I'm a, I'm a Milwaukee Brewers right. fan until I die. Right. And, and so that's what's happening with this franchise. And I can't imagine the NFL doesn't look at it and say, what are we doing here? Why, why is Daniel Snyder still among us? He is ruining this franchise, running him into the ground. They, they need to change this so badly. Man, so, so badly. All right, real quick. Um, Let's let's see if you're going to pick teams to win their division right here, right now. Let's start with the AFC East: Buffalo, Miami, New England, and the Jets. Who you got? Got to be Buffalo. Got to be. I, I just my even with Miami's uh, improvements, I just can't. I can't get away from them. I'm from with. You. I think I think Buffalo. It's their turn. Uh, the AFC North: Baltimore, the emerging Cincinnati Bengals, yes. Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Got, That's a tough. That's an intro. You know what? I'll go with Baltimore just because I think that injuries just did them in last year. I think that they were on the right path. They're doing great. Injuries did them in. Lamar Jackson's still respectful. I'll take the Ravens. Okay. Um, boy, they got some. That's a talented uh, division right there. Uh, wow. Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee. I guess I, I can't quit Indianapolis. I just can't quit them. I, okay. I, I, I respect Tennessee and all they've done, but Indianapolis. 
man, some year it's going to pop for them because they're <laughs> really, really good on paper. All right. Here's the granddaddy of yeah. them. Denver, Kansas City, Vegas, and the Chargers. I, I'll take the Chargers. I'm going Chargers. I, I, I just think that that roster is unbelievable as, as, it's, it's, as it's situated right now. I have a lot of respect for Denver. I do think Kansas City has taken a step back. No Tyreek Hill is a big, big deal for that offense. The defense hasn't made any improvements. Lose Tyran Matthau. It's, I think it's going to be uh, – Kansas City's not going to be bad because they got Mahomes right. got Andy Reid. Right. But it's going to be a little bit of a step back for that. going to be different. Uh, go, go figure. And I want the winning record for the, for the NFC East. <laughs> Dallas, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Commanders. Wow. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I think Eagles might contend. I'll take Dallas at about 10 and 7. I think they've had a bad offseason for sure. But yes. I still think they have the best team on paper. I, that, that's a pretty good football team. All right. Um, golly, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota. Green Bay's lost, just lost gotta, some people. Yeah, I know, but, but they're so far ahead of the rest of the division. How okay. could you? Who, who else would you pick? That's the thing. I no, think, that no, I will no say question. this. I will say this. If there's one team that might just emerge from nowhere, it could be Chicago. I like Justin Fields, and I like yeah. that coaching staff. Just the yeah. fact that they've upgraded so much in the coaching staff. Perhaps we'll see what Matt Everfluss does. But I think that they could be a surprise contender this year. All right, let's go to the a- a- NFC West, Arizona, the LA Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. Is this a two-horse race, or you think three teams? I'm, I'm not counting Seattle at all. Yeah, and I think I think Arizona can contend, but it's it's just the late-season collapses that are so weird. they got to yeah. figure that out. But yeah. I actually like the 49ers. I think the 49ers played really, really good ball okay. at the end of last year. And I don't know what's going to happen with their quarterback situation, but I still believe in Trey Lance. I, I think that once he starts, we're going to be like this. This kid has got the okay. juice. He's got really got something. Okay. Okay. They're not going to trade Garoppolo to Seattle. They're not going to trade with no, the division, trade division, right? Can't That's do that. Thing. And, and Houston doesn't seem to want him because why would they? They're a rebuilding team. I think if Jimmy gets traded, it's going to be an in-season injury type of deal. If Jameis Winston has a great year, great. taking the Falcons, the Panthers, the Saints, or the Buccaneers. I mean, it's got to be the Buccaneers. I can't even. <laughs> the, the question is like, are the Buccaneers going to go eight and zero in the division, or I guess six and zero in the division, or not? I, I mean, that's they're so far ahead of. It would be interesting if they didn't have Brady. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It was Kyle yeah. Trask we were talking about or Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, I guess. But um, yeah, with Brady back, I can't. I, I I know it's just mostly picking last year's winners, but how could you get away from the Bucks in that division? If somebody beats the Bucks in that division, I will be shocked. I think that's the biggest favorite I'd have on the board that that they win the South. And we'll leave it on this note. We have been doing this um, thing, getting to know us, and we name what is our favorite sports movie of all time. So Frank Schwab, of all the great sports movies out there, which is the one that when you turn it on and you see it, you go, I got to watch it for the 1,000th time. There's plenty of them, right? Like the one I I probably come back to is Bull Durham. It's just a fantastic movie, great characters. I think they nailed the whole minor league like the the, yeah. the way players talk, the way yeah. it, it just seems authentic. It's funny. It's I, I always I was just watching it the other day because it's it's one of those where <laughs> there's a few of them, right? Like Major League, I'll always yep. stop for yep. any of the Rocky always. movies. Basically, I'll always yeah. stop for. But but Bull Durham just strikes me as that movie that I'm not. I'm never going to turn that one away. There's some. Um, you're right. Um, man, for the love of the game, I love that. I love. Uh, I, I think that one's underrated. I actually. You know, because I'm a football dude, we both are. I think any given Sunday has never gotten. I loved the it. Respect. I 
I loved it. Yes, it's aged so well, and I think it's it, there's some good scenes in there. Great acting. Willie it's Beamer, the baby. Top, Willie Beamer. It's over the top, but it, it's got to be over the top. It's a football movie. It's Oliver Stone. It's a football movie. Yeah, I like Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe and Paul Giamatti. I love that. You know movie. what? I've never. That's one of the few I have not seen. I'm gonna have to go see it. Frank yeah, Schwab, no, go watch it. You tell me you don't love that movie. I've and heard I will, it's great. I've it is fabulous. Great. Have a great Easter. Stay warm, man. And uh, yeah, I'll try, Jordy. Thank you for your time, buddy. Take Thanks, care. Man. Appreciate it. All right. We'll take our final time out of the day and we'll wrap this thing up. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Even if Jameis has a phenomenal season, Frank says we can't beat the Bucks. Oh, okay. We'll be back. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap up this Thursday edition, special thanks to our guest, Bill Frankez, LSU, Arkansas, right here on the game, starting at 6.30. Will Guillory with the Pels win. Michael Huguenin on college football. Frank Schwab on the NFL. If today is your birthday, April 14th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, he's 81 years old now, Pete Rose all-time hits leader in Major League Baseball. And Baker Mayfield is 27. The man really with without a team as we speak. James, thank you so much for everything. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friend. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. And by all means, be happy and kind to one another. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>